have is yours. Imagine with me you were anywhere that Jesus was. On one particular day in Matthew chapter 20, he is coming through Jericho, a very famous city to the Israelites. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. As he begins to walk, a host of people followed him. Everywhere Jesus went, crowds followed him. On one particular occasion, as he leaves Jericho, he's heading down the road. There were a number of people that heard that he was there. And two men who were blind cried out to him, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now the crowd tried to quiet them down, which made them even cry even louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stops and looks at them and asks a profound question. What would you want me to do for you? What is it that I can do for you? Now, the answer from two blind men is obvious. We want healed. If Jesus was here today, which, by the way, he is, and he walked into your life and he said, what would you want me to do for you? How would you answer that question? Christ walked through here today in visible form, and he were to stop where you were, and he looked into your eyes and asked you that question, what would you like me to do for you? How would you answer that question? Now, that to me is a profound question that I have an answer for, <laughs> and I'm sure you do as well. A number of months ago, after being at the Alliance Council with a CMA gathers from all around the globe, I listened to two of the men that I probably respect as much as any other, and Ron Walborn and John Stumbo. As I walked away from that experience, listening to them talk about the healing nature of God and what he does when you ask that question and he doesn't respond in the way you think he would, I really sensed that God was laying on my heart to come back from my time away for a couple of weeks on vacation and planning and preparation to share two messages that have been on my heart for quite a while but need to be shared back to back. This morning, we're going to talk about healing. I'm going to ask you the same question that Jesus asked these two men at the end of the message this morning. What would you like Jesus to do for you? I'm going to show you a powerful story of healing, and then we're going to ask you to come. We're going to ask you to walk forward or stay where you are, and someone will come and meet you and pray with you and pray over you, and they will ask God to heal you now, today. Now, when it comes to the healing ministry of Jesus, people who go to church come into a, a number of camps. Some come into the it-is-what-it-is camp, which, by the way, you know I don't like that phrase. What will be, will be. Brother Andrew, in his book, When God Changed His Mind, calls that Christian laissez-faire. Whatever. Which, by the way, is the second most annoying phrase that research tells us in the internet and of course you believe everything in the internet right the lord gives the lord takes away great theology incredible theology an amazing place to come to in my experience with god i believe there's more than that now others will come into the 
Well, if all else fails, let's ask God camp. Tried everything else. Nothing else has worked. Might as well ask God. There are others that will lean the other way and name it and claim it camp. They will literally say that sickness is not meant for today and any believer who is sick, it is not from God, it is from Satan. And there is no such thing and God heals today and Christians ought not to be sick and they'll name it and claim it. And they'll really believe at that very moment that there are a number of things that God's doing in your life but they really do and are convinced that sin and sickness and illness and Christianity don't go together. And you'll hear next Sunday morning that there may be some other things that God wants to do. And there are others who really do believe that the exact same Jesus who looked at those two guys on that day in Matthew chapter 20 and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want our sight. And he had mercy on them and healed them. Is the exact same Jesus that's here today. And I'm going to come and I'm going to ask. Because I really do believe that Jesus Christ can heal today and is available to all. This morning, we're going to talk about the subject of healing, and then we're going to ask Jesus to heal. Next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about a sensitive subject, and I, I know it sounds self-serving that you have to come back next Sunday morning because I'm sharing, but you have to hear this message. Because if he doesn't do what I ask him to do, what is it that maybe I need to let him do in me instead of for me? And these two have to go together. A.W. Tozer said, in a missionary society, which I've been a part of for many years, and by the way, A.W. Tozer was Christian Missionary Alliance, I've noticed that the power of God has always hovered over our frontiers. Miracles have accompanied our advances and then cease when we allow ourselves to become satisfied and cease to advance. The creative power cannot save the movement from barrenness. There has to be the work of power available and obvious as God begins to move. Why don't you take your Bibles out this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 7 and 8. Now, I'm going to read or allude to a lot of Scripture. And so I, I want you in the Word. Now, it will be on the screen a lot of the times. I listened to a really pastor that I love a lot a couple of weeks ago and, and of a large CNMA church. And he said, to be honest with you, we encourage you to bring your Word with you. And I felt that resonization because that's what I encourage you to do. I want you to have the Word of God. There are so many opportunities and apps and all of those things, so it's great. But I hope at some point you have a Bible. I use my iPad. I use my version all the time, and I love taking it with me everywhere I go. But I, I love my Bible. I want to know where it's at. I want to mark it up. I want to look at it. I want to see it in context. In Matthew chapter 7 and 8, there are some really powerful, profound statements that Jesus makes. Matthew 7, he's wrapping up what you and I call, or theologians call, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus didn't call it that. Didn't say, hey guys, gather together, I got the Sermon on the Mount, you don't want to miss it. Theologians called it that. It was on a mountain and it was a message. As he wraps it up, and if you read it all, it is powerful. As Jesus ratcheted everything up to the next level. You have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I say. And so now I want to listen to what he has to say, not what I have heard said. Because it's now Jesus, the son of the living God, sharing these words. So in Matthew 7, he begins to wrap up this message. Verse 7, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. 
Which of you, if your son asks for bread, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, gives him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give to those who ask him? Enter the narrow gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many walk that way, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They're going to come to you in sheep's clothing. They're going to look good on the outside, but man on the inside, they're wicked. You'll recognize them. You'll see the evidence of that. You'll see the fruit that comes with that. Every tree that doesn't bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, verse 19. So thus by their fruit, you'll know which ones they are. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of heaven. Not even those who do a lot of the miraculous enters the kingdom of heaven, but the one who knows my will and does it. Which infers what? I spend a lot of time in the Word of God finding out what His will is. Anyone who practices these words of mine and puts them into practice, who hears these words and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who builds his house on a what? On a rock. And you know the story. The storm comes, the winds of life blow, and unfortunately, some people build their house on the wrong things. And Keith so vividly portrayed last Sunday morning when he turned it over and showed us how empty it was inside. And it's going to crumble if you build it on the wrong things. But if you build it on the rock, on the solidness of Christ, no matter what blows on around you, no matter what comes at you, you're going to be able to stay solid and stand firm. Now look at verse 28. When he had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. That phrase in verse 29 draws a deep distinction between those who talk theology and those who practice it. He taught as one with authority, not as the teachers of the law. A very clear line in the sand between one who talks theology and one who experiences it. One who talks about what God does and one who sees what God does. You ever been to a church where you know they talk great theology but no evidence of the power of God at all? You ever been there? Where you know they know the Word, they talk theology, and it's a great experience emotionally for a moment, but no life. Maybe not even any emotional life. You know they know the Word, they share the Word, they talk about theology all the time. They sing great hymns in theology, but no life. When they followed Jesus, they recognized there was something uniquely different about him. And as you see the results of that in verse 8, when he came down off the mountainside, large crowds gathered to him. Here is somebody who is not just talking theology, but who really does understand the authority that comes behind the word of God. And so hundreds, thousands gathered around him. Large crowds followed him in verse 1 of chapter 8. Man with leprosy came. He knelt before him and he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded you as a testimony to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and said, Lord, my servant lies home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Centurion replied, Lord, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. 
You just say the word, my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority and I understand that. And he said, when I tell one to go, he does, and one to come, he does. I, I said to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. He said to those following him, I, I, I tell you, I've not found anyone with such faith in Israel. He said to the centurion, go. Let it be done just as you believed that it would. And the servant was healed at that moment. He came into Peter's house. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand. The fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on them. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. That was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. That last phrase is out of Isaiah 53, one of the most powerful renditions of what it must have been like for Jesus on the cross. A visual, if you've never seen it before, obviously, and none of us have, you read Isaiah 53 and then lay it over some of the pictures that you've seen about Christ suffering on the cross, and you'll see some amazing parallels, and it will finish at the end talking about this fact that even him, him himself, bore our infirmities and bore up our diseases. It talks about the suffering of Christ on the cross and that one of the most amazing benefits that flow from the cross is not only forgiveness and grace, but healing for now. Not just in the future someday, but for now. Let's explore chapter 8 for a few moments. <coughs> the main characters in this chapter are kind of obvious. The ones who need healing, and Jesus is the one who heals. In the first two cases, you can't help but notice the response of faith and the risk involved. The leper was a total outcast. He was rejected socially, economically, and religiously. The centurion was a man of power and prestige. To me, they're vivid illustrations of the great equalizer of humanity. See, it doesn't matter how poor you are or how powerful you are. Illness or sickness can come to any of us. Three things that level the playing field of life. One is the cross of Calvary. We all come the same. We all come in need. Regardless of how wealthy or knowledgeable or powerful we are, every one of us come humbly accepting that Christ is the only answer to life. And we receive him as Savior. The other levelers of the playing field of life are illness and death. No matter how poor or how powerful you are, none of us in this room will escape death. And many of us in this room will, at some point or the other in our journey with life, deal with illness. Way sooner than we want, more powerful than we can ever deal with emotionally, personally. Here in both cases, you can't help but notice their faith and humility in coming to Jesus. In both cases, they lay their shame and their pride down as they come to the one who can change their circumstances. Look at both cases. In both cases, they lay their shame down or their pride down. And they come to the one who can change their circumstances. You cannot be too embarrassed to come to Jesus. And you cannot be too proud to come to Christ. Whatever the need may be at the end of this message this morning, you come. You cannot be ashamed of the issue that you're facing, whatever that issue may be. And you cannot be too proud to bow before the God of the universe. And ask for help. The leper knelt before Jesus, total submission, complete respect for the one who heals. Notice the attitude of both. Lord, if you are willing, from the leper and the centurion, Lord, I don't even deserve to have you come under my roof. 
Not one hint of you owe me in their requests. So many times I've heard people say, they've been so faithful to God. They served God in the mission field. They've been so faithful. They were a wonderful Sunday school teacher or whatever the issue may be. I cannot believe that God's allowed this to happen to them. God doesn't owe us anything. Offers us everything. But he doesn't owe us because we have served him or follow him or love him or minister for him. And these two guys recognize that immediately. They come in faith. They come in humility saying, Lord, if you're willing, if, if, it's, if, if you're willing. Lord, I don't even deserve to have you come out of my roof, but I'd love for you to touch my servant. There's an interesting tension that comes when we approach Jesus for healing. On the one hand, the Hebrews writer said, come boldly to the throne of grace. Confidently to the throne of grace. And on the other hand, I must always recognize who I'm coming to. When I come for healing, when I come for anything, I am coming to the King of kings, the God of all gods, the God of this universe, who is God and I am not. I never, ever want to walk flippantly into the presence of Almighty God. When I come into the presence of the King, I want to recognize who He is and who I am. As Keith demonstrated last Sunday morning, when Peter recognized who Jesus was, he fell on his knees and said, I don't, I'm not even worthy to have you near me. And so does the leper. But I also need to remember that I am coming to the God of the universe who calls me his son and his daughter. And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, which of you who has a son or a daughter, and they ask for something, wouldn't love to give them the best you have? And so I'm going to come boldly, I'm going to come confidently to the king of the universe, and I'm going to ask him to touch my physical need, but I'm going to recognize that I am coming to the king of kings who owes me nothing, but I want to ask. If you ever get a chance to read Daniel, you ought to read that book. But there is a powerful story in Daniel chapter 3. Three servants of God who ended up, because they wouldn't bow down before a wicked king, we're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace that kept being heated up and heated up and heated up. It's going to cost them their life to not bow down before the king. And they said, you know what? <laughs> our God's able to deliver us. You do what you want, but our God is able to deliver us. And he will, by the way. But even if he doesn't, we're going to continue to worship him and no other God. Total confidence in God's ability to change their circumstances and total trust if he doesn't. Total confidence in God's ability to change their circumstances and total trust if he doesn't. The next thing you notice in this text here is their obedience when Jesus asked. In the first case, in verse 4, Jesus gave very clear instructions. Don't tell anyone. Go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded. No reason to believe that this man didn't follow through on what Jesus asked of him. You see, healing is not intended to be an end in and of itself. It should always lead us to a greater expression of the lordship of Christ in our lives. Again, these three guys in Daniel, even if he doesn't, will continue to worship him and no other, an expression of total confidence and trust in what God wants to do. Look at verse 3 in Matthew 8. Jesus reached out his hand 
And he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. The heart of God is really revealed in verse 3. I'm asked all the time, what's God like? Well, what is God like? You want to know what God's like? Here, it's all over the pages of Scripture. But you really want to know what God's like? Watch Jesus. Watch the life of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four give us wonderful renditions of the life of Christ. You want to know what God is like? You watch Jesus. You'll see that he comes and he touches isolated, wounded people. And you also notice that he shows his disciples how to minister to isolated, wounded people. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. It was a violation of the law in a sense. Leviticus 5 said, don't touch anyone who's unclean. Jesus went beyond that because he knew that not only was there a physical issue involved, but emotional as well. He could have spoken a word simply like he did to the second case of the centurion's servant, but in this case, he made a special point of touching the leper. And I believe in doing so brought as much emotional healing as he did physical. When we pray with people at the end of our service today, we're going to lay our hands on them. Now, there are some who teach that healing doesn't come without the laying on of hands, and I don't believe that. But we are going to lay our hands on people. We're going to lay our hands on their shoulder. We're going to surround them in prayer. We're going to show the compassion and love of Christ with those who are coming. One of the primary purposes for laying on of hands, and I believe this case was to show the, the compassionate heart of God, to feel with someone, to convey love and acceptance and the grace of Jesus flowing out. You see, you can't separate the healing ministry of Christ without the compassion of Jesus. That's why Scripture said you rejoice with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep. Nobody likes sickness. Nobody likes illness. Showing the compassion of Jesus is powerful. Verse 2 and 3, the leper's humble request, if you are willing, and Jesus said, I am. I am willing. I believe that's more than just a situational response from Jesus. I believe it demonstrates the will of God in regards to healing. I am willing. His will is demonstrated perfectly in heaven. There is no sickness there, and that's why Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come now on this earth. Let your will be done on earth as what? It is done in heaven. Not then, someday, somewhere, far off in the distance. Let your kingdom come now. And let your will be done now, on earth, just like it's done in heaven. Obviously, it doesn't mean that everyone we pray for will experience healing. Tomorrow, I'm doing a funeral for a lady that I love. For the last year and a half, sat in the back and came forward for healing. And tomorrow, at 51 years old, I do her funeral. Richard Dixon Sr. passed away yesterday, and I've anointed him. And this week, I'll, I'll do his funeral. His family is all over our audience, Dave and Rick and Randy and Darlene. And there's a lot of people connected with, with both families who have been praying. That never changes the fact, ever changes the fact, that when someone comes and asks for healing, I am going to pray absolutely convinced that Jesus can touch and Jesus can heal. Jesus reached out and touched the man. 
And so this morning we're getting an opportunity for that as well. We're absolutely convinced in the CNMA that Christ is our Savior, that there is no other way to the cross, no other way to life but through the cross of Calvary. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets there but through him. The only way to heaven is through Christ. Not how good you are, not how great you've been, no matter how much you've given, no matter how many services you've attended. The only way to heaven is through Christ. Jesus is our sanctifier who doesn't want us to stay at that initial point of salvation but wants us to grow and mature and be transformed into the new creature that Christ intended us to be. We're absolutely convinced that Christ is going to return. The same Jesus in Acts that went away is the same Jesus that will return and will come back. And we are absolutely convinced that Christ is our healer today as he was then. As he was in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, the same Jesus that walked the streets of Jerusalem and the shores of Galilee, who reached out to two blind men and a leper and a centurion servant and and Peter's mom. In all cases, we believe that that same Jesus is here this morning, manifesting himself in a number of ways through a number of people, but the same Jesus is here today. And when you ask, you ask in faith believing that he hears and understands and he will meet me at the point of my need. We're convinced of that. What we do here is we practice James chapter 5. James, in, in the beginning of that chapter, said, look, there's just a lot of example of suffering through the Scripture and a, a lot of reasons for that. A lot of things that they're going to teach us, and we'll explain some of those next Sunday morning. And then he finishes by saying this, anyone here in trouble? Anyone here in trouble? You ought to pray. <laughs> That's what he said. Anybody happy? How many are happy this morning? Then you ought to sing. You're in trouble? You better pray. You're happy? You ought to sing. You have a need? You need to ask. If anybody needs a touch in their bodies, they need to ask. They need to come forward. Is any of you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of God. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise him up. The Lord will raise him up. Nothing in the oil, nothing in our prayers, nothing mystical or magical about it all. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. So in light of that, you better make sure that you've confessed your sins before you come and ask. Which is one of the reasons in this passage of Scripture in Hebrews or uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about the necessity of even before we do this, we better make sure the channel is clean. So I'd love for you to do that if you're going to come forward this morning and spend just a, a moment or two saying, Lord, I've I got to make sure that as I come and when I come that the channel is open and I've confessed. It says to one another, and if you want us to hear, we'd love to, but it, you don't have to. And then we're going to pray. Elders are going to gather around. Some of the pastoral staff are going to gather around. People who are just love to pray for one another may gather around you. Family members may gather around you. And and they're going to pray. And they're going to ask God for what it is that you need. So you need to ask or answer that question in your mind. As Jesus is here today and he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to come with an answer to that question. And then we, all around this auditorium, doesn't have to be me. I only get to one or two or few of you. 
to all of this auditorium are going to ask. And we want you to answer that question. And then we're going to ask him to do that for you. His child who loved you so much that he gave his life for you. Before we do that, I want to show you a video story. I want you to listen carefully. A young student in Nyack College who had come on a number of occasions asking God to heal. And as soon as the story is done, I'm going to stand up where I'm going to ask, where I am, and I'm going to say, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Come. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. My name is Shakira Burton, and I am a sophomore at Nyack College. I got cerebral palsy by being premature. I weighed one pound and 15 ounces. Because of my premature birth, I had complications. My mother noticed that I wasn't able to hold myself up at a certain age. She said that I wasn't respond, responding, like looking at her. I didn't start walking until I was about two or three. I used to crawl everywhere, and even when I crawled, I used to drag myself. Playing in the playground was difficult because I really couldn't move like the other kids. And we would play tag, and I always used to get caught, you know? So, um, yeah. I didn't like to be around people. I love people, but I didn't like to walk in front of people. And if I was to walk in a room, and it would be laughter. They could be laughing about something else but I thought it was me. I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't mad at him. I just wanted to know why he made me like that. And then I started to think, well, okay, he made me like this for a reason. So I'm like, I'm gonna stop questioning it. But it was still in the back of my mind. Like, Lord, are you gonna heal me? Am I gonna be 25 with this? You know, will I be able to have children? During November, my freshman year, I attended a healing service, and Ron Wilborn was the speaker. When it comes to healing, when somebody speaks about healing, I'm very sensitive because, you know, that's what I always wanted. My church used to have healing um, lines all the time, and I used to get up and go, and I used to sit back down and sing. So I went, I sat in the middle of Partington, and I listened to the sermon. He does an altar call, and people started to move. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to get up and go. And they asked what you wanted prayer for. And I said that, you know, pray for my grandmother because she's sick. I didn't even bother to ask for myself because I figured that, you know, God is not going to heal me, so I'm not even going to ask. So they prayed for my grandmother. And then Rebecca started praying for me. And Chris came over and he got on his knees and he laid hands on my knees and they were praying. And I was like, no, I'm okay, I don't want it, I'm okay, I'm okay. But, you know, I was crying in my tissues because that's something that deep down in my heart I really wanted. All of a sudden they said this was shift and I, I felt it, like I felt, my, you know, my back straight, straighten up. And she looked down at Chris, she was like, did you see it? He was like, yeah, I saw it. 
it told me, okay, now you open your eyes. Let's walk. And I'm like, no, I don't want to move. And it's like, why? It's like, because I'm scared. They let my hand go and I stopped in the middle of the aisle and I felt my back. And when I felt my back, that's when it hit me. Like, <laughs> I was healed. And I felt my legs and I had pulled up my pants legs and I looked at my knees and they're straight. And I just started screaming. I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> when I woke up the next morning, I was still healed. It wasn't a dream. Like, I woke up, I jumped out of bed. I was jumping all over the place, climbing on things, looking in the mirror just to make sure that it was really straight and it was straight. Like, now that I look back, I wanted healing for all the wrong reasons. It wasn't about giving God the glory. It was about, Lord, fix me so I could feel good. So I won't have to hide. So I won't have to be made fun of. Fix me so I'll be able to walk like everybody else and do the things like everybody else. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it like that. I want to do it so my son can get the glory out of it. For people who say that, you know, you can't be healed from cerebral palsy, it's not possible, then they don't understand the power of my God because God can do anything. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So what do you want Jesus to do for you? Come and ask. Is there elders here this morning? Come down, stand around here, and wait for somebody to come to you.
Father, we thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. We come to the God of the universe, the same God who restored life to this broken world through Christ. It's the same God that we come to this morning. The one who took that earth that without form and void was so much chaos and gave it life and gave what we enjoy and have for the last thousands of years. The same God who sent his son so that we can have life and have it forever. And the same God who heals and restores and gives life. That's who we come to today. And we so thank you for what you have done, what you are doing now in the lives of these who have sought you, and what we know you will do. And in that name, we give you praise. Thank you so much for your kind attention uh, this morning. Please come back next Sunday. I want to share with you some other things that I think God wants to teach us in this process, and I don't want you to miss it because they go together. So please do that this morning. God bless you. If you're a parent of one of our children who was in the summer reading program, man, go back and celebrate with him. And if there's any others of you that we can talk to or pray with this morning, let us do that as well. God bless you. Have a great, great day. Thank you for coming.